Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is June 30th, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. I'm joined by three guests today, Nicole Thomas, Vice President of Information Sales and Service for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Nicole. Hey. Hey, that's... (laughs) Gosh, I can't wait to hear what you're about to tell us. Also joined by Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Michael. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday to you. And and finally, last but not least, Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist for McKinney for the Hello, Eric. How are you? Hey, what's happening, Mike? Yes, happy Friday to everybody. Uh, I know uh, those listeners are highly anticipating what we're about to say. <laughs> the Planet Acreage and Stocks report came out today, and so we'll be talking a little bit about that and the impact on the market. Uh, but I'll remind everybody, we had a webinar. You guys did a webinar this week uh, we on did. our summer outlook. Uh, so those <laughs> IQ subscribers that missed it, please go ahead and log on <laughs> to uh, to our IQ platform, and you can access that webinar. If you're not a subscriber, reach out to us, and we'll set you up. All right. Let's talk about it, because we have a lot to talk about. And I would like to start with you, Nicole. <laughs> Because there's a lot that happened. Me, you know, I want to mm. see if you were mm. su- surprised at what they did with corn and soybeans. Because, hey, listen, we had the intentions in March. <laughs> we had some guesstimates from folks out there. And you know what? They didn't necessarily follow didn't it. didn't quite hit, Michael. It, I know. Holy didn't soybean. Quite hit. Yeah. Um, ex- you brought up the webinar from Tuesday. All I'm going to say is do not hold against me anything I had in my balance sheet scenarios because know. you know who would have thought. Mm-hmm. So well, I'll start. I thought I hung up my sickle. Yeah, well, you know. Not quite. Yeah, Soybeans are speaking. Well. So um, let's start with the better news, okay, okay. for our, for our toll users, uh, corn, and as you alluded to, Michael, today uh, USDA released both its acreage and grain stocks reports, and for corn, we got a little bit of a positive surprise, or a lot of a positive surprise. Let me say that with an additional two million acres above the prospective planning's number. Um, and it looks like farmers planted 94.1 million acres of corn for 2023. The year I graduated college. 2023? No, or 94. Ni- 90, oh, 94. Okay. <laughs> I was, I, I, my guess was about to be 93. So, yeah. you know, you're close. Thank you for making me feel old on top of this yeah, somewhat no, depressing my, my report day. Um, so for corn, that's that was... Uh, obviously a great thing. Um, And just to offer perspective here, taking a look at our scenarios of possibilities for 23-24, which by the way, are available uh, on the IQ platform for for our clients. Uh, But let's just say with 94.1 million acres, anywhere near a great yield, or it doesn't even have to be great. Let me put it this way. If we somehow manage to eke out something close to USDA's uh, current projection, you know, somewhere around 181 bushels per acre, 
we would end up with potentially something like, you know, 2.3 to 2.5 billion bushels of ending stocks. Say that yield falls a little bit. That is okay. Everybody that's been worried about weather in the Midwest, worry a little less as it relates to corn now, because we've got a cushion. And even if we lost some of that yield, we could still see something like 2, 2.1, 2.2 billion bushels. And even if we lost some more yield and we got a a little bit of a break in the consumption side of things, we could still hit that 2 billion bushel number. So at this stage, sub $5 bushel corn looks very plausible Mm. um, in 23, 24. I'm going to caveat that in a second. But for now, let's just take this good news and digest that a little bit. I like that. Also for corn uh, regarding stocks. So in the grain stocks report, looks like stocks are are down about 6% from a year ago. Uh, That's as of July, or excuse me, as of June 1st, we had a total of 2.2 billion bushels up. That's up 5% from 2022. More are in the hands of farmers uh, than, than last year with about... Uh, was it all farm stocks down about 15% year over year. So again, something that's going to continue to support those basis values as, as producer processors try to pry the, the remainder of that crop out of their hands. So through the rest of 22, 23, I would anticipate basis values to hang in there, uh, stay pretty strong. But again, if we are looking at two, plus billion bushels of ending stocks for the upcoming year, that should certainly pressure basis considerably, especially uh, comparatively to where we've been the last few years. So that's good. And and like I said, at this stage, we can all worry a little less about weather as it relates to corn, because now we have a little room. Got it. Uh, we could fall into the low 170s. And still have a little room and, you know, some kind of stocks building year over year. That sounds good. So that's corn. I mean, and you've talked a lot about the concern over drought in certain areas of the I states. Um, uh, We were talking about this derecho situation and and the Mm -hmm. smoke impact, uh, Mm -hmm. which Kevin and I out here in California know how smoke can impact vines, grapevines for wine, but um, not necessarily for corn, correct? Yeah, that one, I don't know if there's any precise analysis on, because I don't, I don't think there's really precedent for, (laughs) for a a raging wildfire in Canada and the smoke, you know, making its way into the Midwest. Um, But I will say we are seeing improvement with the weather. There's, like you mentioned, a major rain event that came through Southern Illinois, Indiana, all the spots that have been uh, pretty dry. Uh, so, you know, uh, precip totals vary by location. Um, but overall, it appears that the weather's breaking a bit and we're going to see more consistent uh, rain events um, in the coming months. Now, Good. don't, don't um, bank on that because of... <laughs> <laughs> because now I got to tell you how off we are on soy. Talk to me. So, because that's the big one, right? That's the big one. And I'll say this before I even saw the report, we talk about this on report days. 
And I don't know what the deal is, but uh, we're like struggling to get the reports to even download. I don't know what USD has funding towards their servers, but um, we're struggling to get the info. But I don't need to. All I need to do is look at the market because somebody's getting them. I don't quite understand how some are and others aren't. But anyway, some folks are getting it. And, you know, when you look at the the quote board and you see that soybeans are up like 75 cents a bushel, that's a hint that there was something in that report (laughs) that was uh, less than great. And in this case, it was it was the acreage number before I even get there. I'm going to do the reverse here. I'm going to start with stocks. So as of June 1st, now 6% from 2022, sitting at 796 million bushels. Uh, Same scenario. You've got uh, farmers holding beans there too, 40% of those stocks in their possession. But soybean disappearance down about 8% versus last year in this third quarter. And I'm going to attribute that to lower exports. So it all makes sense. Now let's talk about acreage. So... Illinois State University has done some analysis in the past in the variation between the prospective plantings report figures and the acreage reports. And they've said, you know, hey, at times that could be as significant as a two million acre swing one direction or the other. Then Eric uh, provided me some more analysis uh, that looked at uh, a historical year. And I think there was only one where it was off that bad. Well, maybe two, two. Uh, 2019 would be one comparable to today's scenario would be 2007, uh, where we saw a sharp increase in corn acreage and a sharp decrease in soybean acreage relative to um, uh, between the prospective plantings and the acreage reports. The big difference between then and now is this little area of consumption called renewable diesel. (laughs) In other words, that's far more meaningful today Mm -hmm. than it was in 2007. Uh, But the bottom line is the acreage number for soybeans fell uh, by 3 million acres. (laughs) 4 million. Four million. Four. I'm sorry. Yeah. Get, can I get a four? I do. Yeah. Thank you, Eric, for <laughs> yeah. reminding me that it was even worse than I said. Uh, four million acres. Um, so that puts that at 83 and a half. 83 wow. and a half million acres. Surprising, huh? Very surprising. Um, because as we, you know, if corn's up two million, you would think, okay, maybe beans down too. No, we had a, a mixed bag. Eric helped me dig some of this stuff out too. And apparently farmers want to plant sorghum and hay and other, whatever other crops are in that um, ambiguous category. But regardless, they took them from beans. Uh, And some of the largest drops or changes from the perspective planning to the acres report, Nebraska came down 300,000 acres, Kansas down 400,000, Missouri down 440,000, Iowa down 500,000. But the two big ones, Iowa down 850,000, almost, you know, 850,000 acres from what they uh, suggested in March. And North Dakota down almost a million acres, 950,000 acre difference between the perspective wow. planning's report and the acres report. So 
some big changes which are kind of kind of perplexing. I mean, the weather usually when you have an early planted crop, the acreage goes higher unless there's some kind of weather uh, dilemma that hinders uh, plantings. And and we we just you know there was nothing that really hint. I mean, there may have been some replanting in some really wet areas uh, during the early spring, but to see this degree of change is a little scary particularly when you look at the balance sheet. So I had to <laughs> had to work some magic in the numbers uh, because the I'll just say this, the initial one came up negative ending stocks and obviously we can't have that. And I didn't mess with imports, so let me let me say that, but what I did was take it out of exports. That was the only way to get us uh, anywhere near comfortable in ending stocks for 23, 24. And we've been talking about how corn looked pretty good for months. We've been talking about the corn balance sheet looking better down the road, globally, domestically, everything looking much better. And that for soy, it was a bit more tenuous in that we need, we needed good yield and good acreage. <laughs> we didn't get the acreage. So we need some phenomenal yields. And if we don't get phenomenal yields, we're probably, again, taking, you know, I took one example with 48 and a half bushels per acre against this 83 and a half gets us all, drops all the way down to 4 billion bushels of production compared to this June WASDI that had us at 4.5. So losing 500 million bushels of production off the rip. And I can't take crush down too low. Because renewable diesel, even if the mill demand isn't there, which is a topic for another day, we'll do a special podcast on on, on what might happen with crush. But um, I had to take it out of exports, which is reasonable if Brazil has another record setting crop and, Ar- and Argentina gets back to normal. And that's the piece of hope I'm, I'm offering out to our listeners today is do not fret just yet. Because as we always say, the cure for high prices is high prices. And with the, the reaction in the market, and if this continues, that should be a strong incentive for South American production to ramp up considerably for 23, 24, and take some of that uh, strain off of us in the export category. And the, then the worst case scenario under those circumstances with a lower yield, lower acreage, and if we can get lower exports, would put us somewhere around 150 uh, million bushels. So still obviously tighter than where we are now and supportive of prices. Um, If some, somewhere along the line, we find out there's more acreage. I'm not, (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally say that, but I've been watching reports for four years. If down the road we discover some more acreage, um, then maybe we can get back over 200, 200 million. But the bottom line is, Today's report, extremely bullish for beans, uh, probably going to be uh, spillover bullish for corn to some degree. And we saw a little of that activity in the market today, too. But again, if I got to give something as, as I was mentored by Steve Villemeyer, anybody uh, who's worked with with McKinney for an extended period of time knows Steve is the perpetual calm, perpetually calm individual. And, and some of that has rubbed yes. off on me over the years as a more of a high anxiety type. Um, so I'm saying, you know, keep calm, <laughs> hope for big crops out of South America. 
uh, and maybe hope for an unexpected upward revision to acreage down the road. Yeah. And, and we can bring a little calm, but I'm not doing anything in the market right now. And I guess that's my advice to, to users of beans and soy complex stuff is right now you got to be patient because yep. we need some of this stuff to happen in the global market Catch up. that can ultimately, again, kind of reiterating what I've been talking about with a dip, a double dip, maybe a dip at harvest, but a bigger dip potentially coming in the first quarter if we have large crops out of South America. So, okay. Well, yes, Steve is the, the optimist, calm optimist, which, you know, He's a great mentor and, a, and his calm demeanor in these uh, crazy markets is always appreciated. Exactly. Thank you, Steve. Let's shift over to, to wheat. Eric, uh, what happened? Yeah, not uh, a lot of fireworks in wheat really took a back seat today. Um, more in line with expectations, I'd say, versus that of corn and soy because that, wow, that was definitely the headliner uh, in the report for yeah. sure. But there was some bias at least for fewer acres versus the March 31st report. That's what was delivered. So we're 300,000 total acres off now projected at 49.6 million acres versus that March 31st projection. Um, Winter wheat acres actually making up the majority of the decline off a half a million to now 37 million total. You know, not going to set up great for the hard red winter wheat crop with seeing another 300,000 acres less for that class, knowing that uh, yields obviously are going to be challenged with the drought we've had in the Southern Plains. So it won't set up well to uh, offer any opportunity for slightly better production number if we're having fewer acres with such high abandonment and lower yield. But on the, um, I guess I'd say the good side is um, our hard hard red uh, spring wheat acreage didn't decline as much as uh, it could have. And it was actually right in line with where I thought we lost just 100,000 acres to now 10.5 million acres. Still down year over year, but there was some pretty big concerns in North Dakota, at least because of the very wet and cool spring we had up in that region, and especially in North Dakota. So there was some you know, talk in the market that maybe that could surprise, you know, three, 400,000 acres lower if farmers weren't able to get out there in time. But uh, we, we dried out in that region at the right time, starting in mid to late May. So farmers obviously got got the acreage in. But uh, Durham wheat, all the pasta lovers out there, we saw those acres actually slashed pretty substantially by 300,000 acres versus the March 31st report. So all in all, you know, nothing too shocking. Again, maybe a little bit more um, bullish for Durham within that wheat class, but nothing too earth shattering. You know, stocks I'd say were maybe a bit puzzling, but not uh, bullish nor overly bearish. Uh, We saw that stocks were going to be reported at 580 million bushels. I had actually thought we could see a slight increase to where, you know, Stocks are projected currently for old crop 22, 23, which were 598 million bushels. I I know we uh, were not able to hit the export target for 22, 23 from the USDA at 775 million bushels. So again, it's a little bit puzzling as to why the stocks and the the use increased uh, if we were not reaching our export totals on demand. So a little questionable there. 
and it was also below the pre-report trade guess of 611 million bushels. So again, a little bit of a surprise, but um, you know, all in all, not enough to really change the fundamental picture for wheat. Um, you know, the last comment I'll make really that was interesting to note uh, that even though we're looking at a lower stock situation versus a year ago by uh, almost 100 million bushels, the on-farm stocks are actually 25% higher versus a year ago. Mm. So farmers, I think, uh, emptied out their bins, taking advantage of that uh, post-Ukraine war outbreak and, and very high and attractive wheat prices where now, since we've seen a correction and kind of hovering at uh, still high prices, especially for hard red winter wheat and spring wheat. But, uh, you know, now that we're kind of near multi-year lows, farmers kind of holding on and maybe waiting for some better prices there. Excellent. Thank you, Eric. Good recap. Uh, let's shift over to sugar and end it with Kevin. Kevin, what did they do on sugar? You know, uh, sugar's going to follow along with wheat in that, you know, it's really not that exciting of a report. Mm. Not that I ever think uh, acreage and sugar's a big <laughs> deal. I mean, we're talking about 1.137 million acres of sugar when we talk about 94 million acres of corn and whatever it was on uh, soybeans, etc. So uh, the numbers are relatively small, but obviously every acre accounts a little bit more as a result. So, uh, but looking at the report, Mike, it pretty much came in as we expected and what we had been hearing uh, through the course of the planting season for the beet region. Uh, Red River Valley did pick up some acres as we uh, were hearing as crop was getting in a little bit late, you know, delayed a week to two or here or there in the Red River Valley. So uh, we did pick up uh, about 11,000, well, 10,000 acres year over year or 11,000 acres uh, versus the March report in Minnesota and in North Dakota, looking at it versus uh, March up about 6,000. So up about 17,000 acres in the Red River Valley. And then when you compared that to uh, other states here, really it was up a little bit in Idaho, up a little bit in Oregon. So amalgamated is looking like they're going to have some strong acreage and, and a bigger crop. And then uh, in the plains was kind of mixed a little bit. The only other area that was, you know, I'd say somewhat concerning probably is uh, Michigan picked up some acreage, but they're still down year over year again, you know, from where they were uh, last year. So uh, down 5,000 acres versus last year. Uh, but yeah, all in all, beat wise, again, the total number up a little bit versus uh March planting intentions, but down versus last year. But last year we had picked up a lot of acreage because of the planting problems in the Red River Valley. So again, it was right along lines of expectations. Not a big uh, deal. Okay. Great. Looking at cane. Yeah. Cane wise, uh, we ended up with uh, 7,800 acres less. And mm. looking at the individual states, it kind of went as expected. Florida might have been down a little bit more than expected at. Uh, down uh, 3,900 acres. Louisiana continues to have that uh, increase going as, you know, we know the uh, LSR refinery is increasing their capacity as the uh, 
growers and producers of raw sugar continue to expand acreage. So we were expecting that, but that was up uh, 7,900 acres. And then we had a hint of this from the June WASD report when USDA cut uh, Texas uh, production estimate from 107,000 to 51,000 tons, but uh, they lowered the harvested area expectations by 12,200 acres or 39% in Texas. So wow. just kind of showing some of the doom and gloom that's been going on there with bad weather and uh, dryness, et cetera, uh, impacting their crops of late. So growers getting out of cane there for this year and going to be a, a drastic reduction there in, in Texas this year. Yeah, that's pretty much all the fireworks that we have in sugar. Not a not a whole lot going on there from an acreage standpoint other than uh, those little changes. Yeah, we did see some movement in the 16s and 11s this week uh, uh, and, and a little bit today. Uh, so that's uh, not necessarily related to this report. Other factors, correct? Well, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, the number 11 on uh, big declines here over the last uh, seven days or so. I would drop down, you know, from we hit highs of 26 back down to 22. Yeah. And then amazingly enough, what really caught my attention in the market today was the number 11 rallying. Uh, last yep. I checked, it was up like 70 points on nearby contracts. And then yep. uh, the number 16 went the opposite direction, which we have not seen that. Kevin, it's opposite dating. Interesting. So, <laughs> usually they have been just super tight correlation, right. but uh, with that being drowned and now 2024 contracts dropping down to 39 cents. So uh, I haven't seen anything on the wires as far as a quota increase or something like that out of the USDA, but that is certainly my expectation yeah. of showing a 13.1% stocks to use ratio. So, uh, you know, a lot of times those things come out on a Friday before a long weekend so that, uh, you know, Maybe somebody wants to duck out of the office as soon as they hit send and, yeah. and start a, a nice long break and not be interrupted by a ton of phone calls coming their way. So. Yes, that, that that is a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know any quotas coming out. I'm just saying, yeah. hey, that's what the futures market seems to indicate something going <laughs> on there because we're not seeing any uh, big supply change anywhere else. Got it. Well, it sounds like uh, with all of these markets, uh, a lot to come and a lot of uh, potential volatility. So uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July coming up here next week. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. See ya. Have a happy 4th. Bye-bye. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit mckinney-favell.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.